0: Today on The Topping Show, Bud Light tweets support for the women's soccer team but can't define what a woman is. PETA joins the Bud Light boycott and asks Kid Rock for help. Jason Aldean's song is censored on the terms of racism but actually turns out to be number one hit song and is actually racist. Barbie movie turns out to be pro-feminist and anti-male. Well, not so much of a surprise. A anti-woke and woke app hits the marketplace to try to guide consumers. Biden secretly meets with the United Auto Workers president. New York City is turning migrants away. Tesla profits increase, but still not back to the previous levels. Amazon One Palm Payment is going to be rolled out to all of the Whole Foods. Petco is coming to lows, and Goldman Sachs profits are down 58%. All of that and much more today on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see they're finally twice a day. Guys say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's a joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, need a little assistance, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Netflix having their stock drop by $20 billion, which is quite astronomical, and yet another reason I'm kind of happy I didn't invest in them. Well, I'd rather just reinvest myself, but I digress. Now, many analysts are looking at this equation from a few different reasons as to why their stock plummeted so quickly within a matter of days. And it looks like the stock specifically dropped from a high point of $481.70 per share, all the way down to $427.27 per share. Now, that being said, it's a still a huge value per share of a stock and their revenue is increasing, but there's a lot of uncertainty. So their Q2 revenue was $8.2 billion, which is huge. That's great. That's a lot of cash revenue profits. Mm -hmm. Now that $8.2 billion is better than the same quarter last year. So fiscal Q2 last year, it looks like their revenue was 2.7% less than this year. That being said, the United States is terrible with inflation, blame the government for most of that. And many might say it's about the same in terms of value. And it's extra, especially interesting to see the stock crash all of a sudden because just a couple days ago, we were announcing how they had achieved six million additional subscribers. Perhaps it's because they're not so much profitable. And there's a lot of uncertainty in Hollywood, which, It'd be a total shame if we couldn't have all that amoral crap hoisted upon the market well i'm sure some people appreciate it most hollywood i think is a copy paste which a computer could easily do and will easily do one of those things where time shall tell to see how many of the people in the actors guild are really safe and how many of the writers are really safe from being replaced by the robots as they take over but as i always say time shall tell now they're also altering their plans at netflix so Netflix actually canceled their basic no ad plan, which was previously $9.99 per month. However, thankfully, they're grandfathering you in, which is a common term as in, you get to keep it if you already have it. And they're actually pushing people towards an ad-supported model, which is technically cheaper to the consumer, at $6.99 per month. However, obviously, they actually make more money off that because the advertisers, of course, pay them a lot of money, traditional too, what, what does this remind me of? Uh, oh, yeah cable TV the thing. They were uh, out to uh, set out and destroy it seems like Kind of coming full circle with advertising creeping back up Because a lot of these production studios like streaming services It's kind of a crap shoot you, you don't know if a show is going to be a hit or it's going to fail epically You know some you can certainly predict more than others just bait, you know giving a little bit of uh, evidence around it but A lot of uncertainty on what's going to happen with Hollywood. How long could Netflix hold out? There's rumors they could hold out more than others, but there's some people saying if the Hollywood strike isn't resolved by Christmas, there's not going to be any content next year because obviously you have to have a ramp-up period where they're producing stuff, in theory, one or two original ideals, mostly copy and paste, and then they have to have the long actual production, actually putting the materials together. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, but that's one of the reasons the stock is also precipitously dropping at Netflix. Time's ourselves sell to see where they go from there. Now, other interesting businesses, you have Tesla. Their profits are climbing. Now, they report a much greater profit than they really originally expected. That's also despite them trimming the cost per units with Elon starting to actually embrace traditional automotive discounting, which is a cliche as old as time. It's a joke and pretty much... A lot of sales communities and industries, automotive specifically as well. If you just wait till December, you're gonna get 30 percent off. Like, I remember back in my, you know, back in my day, Cadillac would give like ten thousand dollars off to MSRP just on, as an additional discount Q4 because the new model year was coming in and they wanted to clear out the old inventory. That's kind of the traditional methodology of the automotive industry, because, and this is a new thing. At least Chevrolet was the original company to do this about hundred years ago. They basically, have the same car, but they slap on new body panels and new different things to make it look new. So, because the body panels and the accents were different enough, the car would look older and people would pay more for a newer looking car. Hence, why every year this new model. Tesla's a little bit different, they're granted it'll never be as reliable as a Rolex, but some people compare them to a Rolex in the fact that a Rolex Submariner or Submariner shows how uncultured I am. I have a Garmin, I got way back in the day for free, so you can't beat that from a friend. But the Submariner, Submariner, that sounds right. That Rolex, it really hasn't changed for, I don't know, 50 plus years. They look about the same because the changes, if any, are very, very subtle. Tesla, with many other vehicles, are also doing that same methodology where you can't, unless you're a Tesla enthusiast, you really can't tell the difference between a one year and a five year Tesla. Besides the fact that the five-year Tesla will leave you straight on the side of the road because there's no range left because the batteries are a grab. But outside, they look about the same. So there really wasn't much of an incentive for Tesla to do these discounts. They also had an overwhelming demand for the product, and they didn't have enough of the product to go around. Global fashion, supply and demand, it's just a mini lesson right there. I know they don't teach much in schools these days, it's a little mini lesson. Now... Tesla actually specifically reported adjusted earnings of $3.1 billion, which equated to about $0.91 cents per share. Public trade companies, that's usually one of the top metrics that look for is the profits and the revenue per share. And that is astronomically better than the last quarter. they actually 20% more than the last quarter. And it'll be interesting to see, they actually beat the, fi- the finance nerds, the finance analysts. They actually thought they were only going to get $0.82 cents per share. So... Beating Wall Street, of course, if you're publicly traded, one of the most important things you need to be doing, in addition to all the other things, including servicing and doing the best things for your clients and your customers. Now, the profit margin during this quarter was 18.2%, which was better than expected and is admittedly better than most automotive companies. You look at companies like General Motors, it's usually single digits when you have the blended average of their small subcompact vehicles and the trucks Look at the fleet average, or the average of all the vehicles. It's not that great, because... mm, Some might compare them... Some might, I would never compare them to McDonald's, where they just put out a massive volume, regardless of quality. They also killed the stick shift in the Corvette, which some enthusiasts would never forgive them. Yeah, including myself, that's ridiculous. Why would you get rid of three pedals? The best thing for a true sports vehicle. I digress, I digress. But... Also, 23% of the C7, the previous Corvette models... Between nineteen and twenty-three percent, or twenty-seven percent, depending on the year, all those owners chose stick shifts, but GM still decided to kill it. The opposite—they—I they, could write a book on the business blunders of them. However, back to Tesla, they had an eight-point, eighteen-point-two percent profit margin, so that was pretty good for the industry. That is exceptionally good for the automotive industry. However, it wasn't—it's it, going down precipitously from what it used to be when Tesla was in its heyday. I mean, a year ago. Their margin was about 25%, which it might not sound crazy big in terms of, you know, 18.2 compared to 25, but when you're talking about billion-dollar companies, that's astronomical. And it'll be interesting to see, does, Tesla, does Elon pull back on some of these incentives as they try to roll out new vehicles and get the, cyber, the Cybertruck finally hit the market, given the provenance of the people who, given the Tesla fan club and the... Uniqueness of the design. I wouldn't think they would need to discount that truck, especially because a lot of the competition, they're not EVs from the ground up. Like the Ford F-150, the very first Ford EV F-150 Lightning, they basically just slapped electric crap into a Ford F-150 truck. It wasn't an EV from the ground up. They're getting better as they're entering, they're putting more money into the engineering of the EV vehicles at Ford. Um, I believe the E-Mock or the bastardized Mustang, which they call the Mustang E-Mock for some stupid reason, even though it's an EV with no three pedals or no V8. But I digress. I know the regular Mustang has v you know, V6 and I4, but those were built from the ground up. The truck at Ford was more of an afterthought in terms of the engineering. It wasn't ground up as an EV. Now, you do have Rivian, which is perhaps the industry leader for EV trucks, that company has a lot of issues of itself, basically being kept alive, partially because of a big purchase from Amazon. Amazon also owns a lot of their stock as well. But with Elon, I don't think they should, they better not discount the Cybertruck because they need cash to pay off that thing. They've been hyping up for four to five years now. And it was last Saturday, the first one finally came off the assembly line in, this, in, this straight, in the great uh, country of Texas. No, I didn't misspeak. One of the best things about Texas, it was a nice meme. Before your state was a state, it was just land. Before Texas was a state, it was a country. They say many things about Texas. It is pretty awesome, I'm not gonna lie. Now, it looks like for the first quarter of Tesla, their profit was 19.3%. So they're actually going down this year. So Q1, they had 19.3% profit. Now they're at 18.2%. They gotta reverse this trend. Their stock is, it, it's, it, it, there's a lot of rumors that it's going to go down a little bit and he's went down i believe eight to seven percent which is that's a big ding but i think a lot of people are just uncertainty how big of a success will the cybertruck be they had a lot of pre-orders but again i believe it was a hundred dollars like deposit or something like that there's a big difference between you know throwing down a hundred dollars to reserve something versus paying i don't know what this could cost 100 100 150 Maybe not. Who knows? I'm still trying to find the actual solid numbers of how much that cybertruck will cost, but that's going to be pretty revolutionary that they could evolve their fleet from just sedans and little SUVs. If they can go to the truck. If they can really go after the truck market, which is the most difficult one to go after in terms of consumer ad adaptation rates and adoption rates, that'll be interesting to see, could that really increase the value test over time? That will be one of their biggest challenges. Now, other interesting business use, you have Amazon One Palm, payment method rolling out to all oh, Whole Foods. Now, of course, a couple years back, Amazon decided to get in the brick and mortar business with the premium organic fancy food company, Whole Foods, headquartered in Austin, Texas, which some call Diet Texas, and it's probably one of the most popular organic food chains in the United States, and they had this idea where instead of, you know, cash or credit card, which has worked since the dawn, since of the invention, I mean, physical currency since the dawn of time, some might say. but they thought it'd be better to use a handprint, because you know, how, do, do, who 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 wants privacy anymore? Sure, why not have a handprint? Do you want? Do, do they want a prick, a prick of blood as well to make sure it's your DNA? As they also use facial scanning recognition software, and some com- some consumers see the convenience over their security. Which, I man, which wa- man was much much wiser than one alive these days? Benjamin Franklin once said, "Those who trade freedom sec- for security deserve neither." Something to think about. No one's probably heard that because they don't teach that in public schools anymore. But this creepy technology, which, yeah, you're giving them more of your biometric data for free. Now they just have it. Now, this is going to be to all 200, you know, actually 500 Whole Foods stores by the end of 2024. And it was just a little small program that they launched at Amazon Ghost Stores back in Seattle in 2020. And then they went to Panera Bread. They went to a couple, I believe it's a Denver's Coors Field, which, of course, is a sports balls team. And apparently, the consumers like enough where they're going to do a big rollout. Now, Whole Foods, of course, is more of a niche store. It's only 500 relatives to something. Walmart, they have like 10,000 or 12,000 global stores. So it'll be interesting to see what's the mass public adaptation, adaptation rate. Is this something really consumers are really aching to have? Or is it something that... Is this going to be a a fad? We've seen a lot of these interesting payment fads throughout the years. It's hard to say which one's going to stick. And maybe someone will feel this is less intrusive than like a facial recognition software. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but an interesting value add some might say for Whole Foods. Now, going up to other business news, you have Petco coming to Lowe's, which Lowe's may would just say is just diet Home Depot, or you know Home Depot for women. If you look at where they advertise and the demographics, they are very good at the niche they've carved out. Home Depot is, if you look at the demographics and what they serve, it's mostly for contractors and businesses, then you have your DIY section as well. But Lowe's, in terms of their marketing, they're they're really going after the families, the the parents. They don't cater to the contracting community and construction community in that regard. So somewhat joking, but there's a little truth in that. And Lowe's is also kind of known for copying Home Depot, where Home Depot will have analysts, you know, work really hard to find out where on the map is going to be the perfect spot to put the store, where's the most strategic spot, and then Lowe's just goes, "Hey, they chose that place. Let's go across the street," which someone called a move, but someone think is someone hilariously that's uh, uh, kind of funny. Let the let the other store do all the work and all the thinking. Now. It looks like they're actually going to be expanding their partnership. They started this idea a couple of years back with just a couple stores, I believe, you know, 9 to 13, where they're actually having like a mini store inside of the store. So you have a little mini Petco inside of the Lowe's. Now, it looks like now their plan is to be in 300 stores by the end of 2023. So that's a pretty exponential increase. And it's an interesting idea where they're trying to address and give more value to their current clients. We also have to wonder... Well, well, actually, let's hear what they have to say. Now, it looks like they, they will also have Petco. Oh, wow, this is a mouthful. Petco's Vetco Clinics will be in 75 locations within, and they'll be available once per month. Vetco. Petco's an A-minus. That's kind of business building site right there. So it's the veterinarian who works at Petco, and it's called Petco Vetco. Rich, that's a little bit of business business brilliant. So i i appreciate that kind of marketing that's pretty good and they'll have that person apparently is a fully licensed veterinarian and the services include you know microchipping vaccinations and preventive medicines pretty big categories now when asked for comment talking to the lowe's ceo marvin Elizo, he said quote this partnership is part of lowe's larger strategy of servicing rural clients while in the years past our penetration of rural and remote stores was reviewed as a competitive disadvantage we now expect these stores to be a key component of our operating profit growth over the next three to five years unquote so that is a pretty good point i almost wonder if they're trying to compete with tractor supply when i think of kind of rural stores that have multiple categories in addition to the standard you need you know lumber or cabinets or spray paint trying to think. all the stuff I bought, I've been there. Pretty much every component, many of the components to make this table actually went to Home Depot to get um, The antique barbed wood, though, was actually independent supplier, but I digress. They have a lot of things there, and it, it'd it be interesting to see what the adaption rate of how many consumers go to Lowe's actually appreciate that, or if, apparently the preliminary rollout was successful enough to warrant this, but part of me also, it reminds me of, um, I believe it's called Papa, not the best book name, but, is the Papa John's book written by the founder, John. And he talked about, he turned out the company twice successfully and during the demise of one of the eras where the company was decreasing profits and their food was getting worse, it was in a sense where they're losing focus on their core competency and they had all the stores with a bunch of crap you don't need, like candy, movies, CDs, books, like stuff that doesn't make any sense in a pizza delivery store they would have there. And may said it actually distracted the consumer as well as the company from the core competency, which is making pizza pies. You know, better ingredients, better pizza. I believe they trademarked that that actual phrase brilliantly enough. But it'll be interesting to see with Petco, does this help bolster their profits as they try to give more value to current clients? Or is it going to maybe take away? Time shall tell to see how that goes long-term and thankfully I'm not invested, so it can go either way. Doesn't make a difference to me. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have. Bud Light supporting women's soccer, but they can't really define what a woman is. A uh, Fascinating phenomenon in the United States these days. Now, Bud Light on their Twitter, uh, what's a nice way of saying this? It's probably a scientific way of uh, saying birds crashing or just falling over like a clumsy bird. Bud Light is the dodo of Twitter. That some make a t-shirt. That's a brilliant idea. I I need to write that down. But uh, I digress. So, maybe that'll be their new nickname, the, the Dodo Twitter. Now, Bud Light tweeted, quote, Let's go at U-S-W-N-T. Which I had to Google because I had no idea what the heck that was. Apparently, that is the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, which does exist. Fact check, I, I looked into that as well. Now, this also co- all of this comes from this brilliant... Business the the brilliant marketing mind of Alyssa heiderschild where she was someone who would drink alcohol heavily in college and when she got she was very proud on linkedin to be the first female alcohol industry marketing leader and she chose brilliantly to have dill mulvaney as a brand ambassador dill mulvaney is a trans activist never had the surgery but dressed up as a woman for 365 days celebrated each day with a cliche many would say a woman face impersonation such as wearing high heels and prancing through the through the uh, forest, which I checked, I asked my mom and sister, that's not a thing. But Dylan represented it as a thing. Bud Light hired Dylan as brand ambassador and the boycott began and they lost about $28 billion in stock valuation as well as millions of dollars in sales. And the boycott began, which is there'll be business courses taught on that for years. As uh, to the perfect example, why you do not want to get involved in politics if you make a, a product that's engineered, or, well, I was gonna say engineered is a very kind term for Bud Light. It's everyone, you know, especially rainwater with a, maybe Flint, Michigan rainwater bee or a water with a couple hops thrown mm-hmm. in there pejoratively. But it's one of those things where the brand just crashed and no one is buying it. And every time they tweet, the response is always much more entertaining Than their actual tweet. They are ratioed in minutes now this recent one where they said let's go United States women's soccer national soccer team Now within 12 hours their tweet had two hundred and ninety seven point one views and 981 likes so that's zero point three five percent liked. Yes, that's also known as bad. That's not even one percent now it looks like the top response, which ratioed them, was done by Benny Johnson, who's a political commentator. And he tweeted, quote, you're cheering on a woman's soccer team. Answer me this question. What is a woman? Unquote. His tweet got 19.2 thousand views and 1,290 likes. That, in the old math department, that's 6.72% of the people who viewed his post liked it. Immediately ratioed. Now the other response I got a lot of public, a lot of public support was a poll that said, "Let's go UNWNT. T, but how about Bud Light? Where should they go? One in, one in five, two two. Oh, sorry, one in my fridge, two out of business." There's a poll. Vote one or two. One in your fridge, two out of business. Out of the votes, so what do you have? One thousand one hundred eleven people vote in that little poll. Seven point nine percent said Bud Light does, should be in their fridge. Ninety-two point one percent said Bud Light should be out of business or in the trash. That's um, yeah, that, that's pretty bad. Now it is interesting to note there is an increase in Twitter censorship as the new CEO, Miss Yacarino, Macarina? um, whatever her name is. I digress. She has an advertising background, and of course, her goal is to actually make the help make the company profitable which unfortunately means watering it down and making it um, censoring, uh, increasing the censorship. So I have noticed a couple of positive responses come to the forefront, but it'll be interesting to see how many of them remain or how many of the negative comments really overwhelm them. But this is yet another example of Bud Light getting Twitter ratioed in minutes and just completely failing the current culture war. Will they be able to recover from that nosedive? I, I'm pretty skeptical. Now, other interesting culture news, you have PETA joining the Bud Light boycott and asking Kid Rock for help. Now, PETA, you don't really have to worry about what they are, they don't do much, except annoy the hell out of other people. They are apparently the activist group that shames people for eating meat, which has been the best source of protein since the dawn of time, and one of the the healthiest things you can eat. But, It's one of my favorite things of, they might be the perfect example of being insufferable. Whereas, most people, if you don't want to eat meat, they're not going to shame you and say, why aren't you eating a hamburger? Or why are you eating a salad? However, the inverse is quite true. If someone's in pita, or frankly, if you're a vegetarian, you'll never not hear them talk about it. And they'll never stop bullying you to acquiesce to their... It's a nice way of saying perverted worldview or skewed worldview. It's ridiculous. But I digress. They're mainly known for being a ridiculous animals' rights, even though they actually kill lots of animals and perform cruel acts themselves. But another topic for another time. Some are saying, is this a false flag? What's going on here? I mean, PETA traditionally is more left, politically speaking. And, fascinating enough, they want to join this boycott, apparently. Now, apparently... Pete actually sent a letter to Kid Rock asking him to take a stand against Budweiser for mutilating clausial horses for their marketing tools. Which apparently he's still serving Bud Light at his bar in Nashville, Tennessee which is called the Big A uh, it's a nice way of saying Derriere instead of Rear Honky Tonk and Rock and Roll Steakhouse eh, C- for marketing, that's too long it, it, it's losing all meaning. It's way too long. Big, no, it's even worse. Kid, Kid, Rocks, Big A, Honky, Tonk, and Restaurant, Rock and Roll rest- Steakhouse. Dude, that is D plus for marketing. I know whose restaurant it is, but geez, Louise, it could be longer of a name. Now, specifically, Peter said, quote, Only God knows why Budweiser gets away with such a low life thing as cutting off a horse's tailbone. This is, unquote, that's from the Pita Senior VP, they have a president? What a waste of resources. I mean, very important person. VP Kathy Gare, uh, Guillermo. And she also said, uh, Pita is painting Kid Rock as a picture of the company's cruelty towards the Clydesdales in hopes that he will make his restaurant a Budweiser free zone, unquote. And they further said in the letter, they quote, will you consider halting sales of Budweiser products at Kid Rock's Big A Honky Tonk and Rock and Roll Steakhouse until anheuser Bush commits to stopping the amputation of its Clydesdale's tailbones, unquote. Now, I don't think anyone who actually really cares about that. That, that statement's pretty part of the course for everything Peter says, but I think the real interesting thing is, why is Kid Rock still serving that pisswater beer at his establishment? He was one of the first people to join the, bu- the boycott against the company. He famously shot a couple cases of Bud Light with a full-auto MP4, uh, uh, I was going to say MP5, MP40s, earlier before my time. S- still German engineering, but he was one of the ones who helped the viralness of the boycott really take off. He literally had a video where he said "F Bud Light," that was the kind of the crescendo of the video. He does an HK slap, and he shoots up all the beer, and it went viral, got millions of views. Everyone was talking about, and that really sparked. I and mean, add fuel to the boycott. But why is he still serving it as his restaurant? Is it because it's a licensing thing only? Where he basically just gets paid a royalty for them using his name? Which is something that certainly happens, especially with celebrities and endorsements. Or is he an active operator of the restaurant and still have the beer? That's, I think that's the more interesting part of the story is why is he still apparently selling Bud Light and Bush and Beth products? If he personally believes that he is against what their marketing department decided to do, and it's that that's really bizarre. But we'll see. Um, time shall tell, but that, that is an unusual thing to happen for sure. Now, other interesting culture news you have Jason Aldean's song being pulled and censored and then going on to becoming one of the number one songs. So he recently released a song and i'll pay well, i'll play a second or two and it's called try that in a small town which good gosh so it's right now on the youtube it is number one trending for music now if you click that subscribe button it really helps us out also like and comment this video to go number one is astronomical for a feat for a music video and they're saying this is racist and as usual, I always think it's ironic that people who are calling racism are usually the most racist people themselves. We'll divulge and we'll talk a little bit. Uh, we'll uh, dive dive deeper into why in a second here. So he's got the he's got the country he's got the Texas hat. So he's already getting, he's already getting an A, a to A plus for marketing. Hmm, carjacking a lady at a red light. No, last time I checked, many groups of people perform robbery and that way. So unless you're racist and think one group of people, then then you would be racist. Pull now i can't help but laugh at the people saying this music video this is racist now he's showing instances of rioting during the summer of love also known as George Floyd protests obviously and right now he's showing a cliche antifa member spitting in a police officer's face which is a liberal white woman in the video but the people protesting this song are saying it's because he's against african-americans now see not that, yeah, you think it's tough. Well, try that here, See how far you Around there we take we take care of people on our own. How, how is that controversial of a statement? that's that's part of the benefits of being a small town is you're actually a community you're invested with each other you're invested in the community you're invested in the infrastructure that's one of the upsides that's why I personally I, I wouldn't be happy living in a very congested city where it's so many people there's kind of dilutes any form of community might have <laughs> also be noted that fascinating enough uh the previous mayor the um what was the detail uh, uh, i always have to use you you know that little trick with names where you think of a thing and it reminds you of the person says so i remember it's beetlejuice lori whitefoot yeah that's what it is she actually told police to stand down during when people were robbing lick stores and riots in chicago they also diverted riots away from the financial district to the suburbs and residential areas Why people were not more upset with that politician is beyond me. I, I did think of something that I think is offensive about this song. Most of the band is not wearing cowboy hats. I know it's not required necessarily for a country song, but it does help. Actually, now that I think about it, 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 this song is making me country. I I have to do. I have to do it. All right, there we go. Alright. now I can listen to the song a little bit better. Take care of our own. How is that offensive? That, that, no, that's actually a good thing to actually take care of your community and your friends and your family. Oh, seriously, so have a man stopping a robbery? A, fa- a fascinating phenomenon that is unknown in places like. It's a nice way of saying Chicago. Chicago. But small towns, people tend to defend the community. Now, some might say this is very triggering. He is showing an American flag, which to some, that gives people heart attacks. So uh, maybe that's why they're upset. This also says, God bless America, which may actually makes some people convulse as they have a visceral reaction to it, which I find especially hilarious. Uh-oh, he's showing a father's son duck hunting. Oh, perhaps that's a controversy. Oh, more pictures of Nostalgia America. These farmers are dropping their own crops for the day. A friend is in need, and they've come to help. That's what this community, a lot of our community, stand for. Hey, they have more diversity. This guy in a wheelchair. I thought the uh, well, uh, again, the hypocrisy. Somebody needs some help, you'll get it. Uh, oh. Oh so how is that controversy uh kind of controversial in any way? I have no idea, but we're gonna we're gonna read what they claim. So this is what the boycotters are claiming. And, This song is actually pulled off of country music television. It's a country song. Which again, shows you how infected most media communities are where they're very one-sided politically speaking. You can actually have a video that embodies the sexual glorification and actually sexual objectation of women, You you can have songs that promote violence, drugs, robbery. All types of illegal activities, those songs don't get pulled, but this song, this is the one people are upset about. Fascinating. So it looks like the people are claiming the parts that are specifically problematic, which anytime I hear that word, I'm immediately suspicious there's something wrong with this person. Like problematic, that, that's a big, as they would say, a red flag. Now, the, they're worried that they, they say this is racist. Sucker punch someone on a sidewalk. That lyric. No, um, every, uh, every race is human. Every, humans are humans are violent. That's that's not specific in any way. Carjack an old lady at red light. Again, why why are these people assuming that's one race? That's disgusting for them to think that way. Pull a gun on over a liquor store. Yeah, you think that's cool. Y'all act like a fool. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stop on the fag, light it up. Yeah, you think that's tough. Try in a small town. Those... Those are all the lyrics they they claim are racist. And remember, Antifa, that's probably the best example of a lot of white folks. A lot of liberal liberal folks there. Just as there's, there's violent people on the left and the right. It's not a one race type of thing. Around here. So yeah, when it comes to that song being considered racist, that's ridiculous. And if, thankfully, you've seen people push back and say, yeah, this is literally, are you saying that small towns are only one race? That's, that's not, no. Literally, small towns are just good, wholesome people come together. And guess what? All races, all, all creeds, all faith. Which is, many people just say that's the best thing about America. Now, unfortunately, pl- politics are bifurcating a lot of people in terms of political division. I'm foolish enough to hope and think that we have more in common than not. We can actually come together for morals and values. Time, of course. Shall tell. Now, as we go to the non-country part of the podcast. You have the Barbie movie. So the Barbie movie has finally come out. And mattel it's Mattel's worst fears. It is extremely feminist and anti-male. Which, a little redundant there. Now, this is actually a review written by, I believe it was uh, Matt Gaetz's wife. And he's a politician, I think, best known for trying to abolish the ATF, which is a great way to get political points and votes. I mean, that it gets headlines to say that. And also, you know, the Second Amendment used to be respected. So it'd be nice if that would happen again. Now, it looks like when her she actually go, went to see the movie, she was saying how... Pretty much every man depicted in the film is either stupid or a bigot and it literally has has ken going to i guess visit los angeles and becoming a pseudo alpha male and becoming pejorative towards women and then of course she has to hoorah feminism and it's very combative the whole movie and I can't help but think how hilarious it would be. No one would ever actually make this movie in the reverse, because of course women would protest, and you'd hear about it. Men, we got shit to do. I, you're not going to see a bunch of guys in the court, on the in the streets, boycotting this movie or really caring. You'll hear some cl- interesting political commentary about it, but that is also a funny thing to think about. You never see like the average guy just doing at a protest with a sign, like. Probably hours a week I have to work. I can't imagine having time dedicated to go out for such a, a lot of these random, seemingly random protests. And I can't help but think how much money is this movie going to lose or make? It can't possibly, it can't possibly make that much money. And Mattel is scared shitless. Because again, this is their intellectual property. They invented Barbie back in the day is actually a great business I'm trying to think of a nice way uh, business success story where they have a husband and wife the husband invented the matchbox or no the hot wheels and the wife invented Barbie and they founded that company and they did great things to change the world. And Mattel they actually got involved in the movie several times saying hey we want this to be inclusive. We don't want to have any political messaging it's supposed to be a fun movie. Sell toys that's that's what most of these movies are. It's just it's a toy a toy sales mechanism. And Apparently, it just got worse and worse and worse. And now that all the critics are starting to say, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is pretty bad. And I mean, so Matt case specifically called Barbie, they should call for a Barbie boycott because of the disappointing quote-unquote feminine empowerment, lack of faith in family, and Ken's low T. There's this kind of ultimate cliche in the movie. And it's astonishing to think people are actually going to pay to see it. Granted, I won't because i got stuff to do. But it'll be interesting to see how much money do they lose on that. And of course, how much does it hurt their brand? How many... will this decrease the toy sales among conservatives or the people who don't agree with the the movie messaging? That's always one of the risks you have when you make a live action movie is... You're kind of taking away the the mystery behind the toy because the toy... You know, you can see what the toy is, but there's more left to the imagination. Doesn't help the actress of the movie doesn't even look like Barbie, but kind of takes away the mystery to a little bit of extent as well. So, as I always say, time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news: you have a woke and anti-woke app hitting the app store. Now, this app is known as Vibes, which D plus for marketing because what on earth is a vibe? If you were to make an app to identify products, it much. Why not keep it simple to say, woke unwoke" app or something like, or woke ID or anti-woke ID. It's like something to actually communicate what the app is and does. That would preferably be logical and make more sense. Now, Veeve is apparently an app that allows users that, uh, to scan an item and it will tell you if the company is donating money to woke causes or anti-woke causes and will suggest product alternatives to the company that do not donate to things that are against your ideology. Now, it is brilliant in terms of when they first hit the market or when they first advertise a the product. They're saying it's an anti woke app, so conservatives would use the app and say, "Hey, what's this? What's Ben and Jerry's? Oh wow, Ben and Jerry says that Mount Rushmore should be given back to the indigenous people, even though their headquarters and factory are on, of course, indigenous people's land." And those indigenous people actually wrote a letter to ben and Jerry saying, uh, hey, you, you said you're going to give back uh, Mount Rush, the U.S. should give back Mount Rush, for are you going to be- give back your land? And of course they won't because they're two-faced hypocrites, but that like conservatives know, hey, let's not buy this diabetes-, diabetes in a cup. So the app, in terms of conservatives, getting involved in more of the, the purchasing power of boycotts. that's We've seen that more and more past few months, especially with Bud Light and stints. But in this case this app is appealing to both sides of the political aisle which is what for making a product more often than not that's what you should do capture the whole market or as much as you can not just a small niche of it like, unless you're a specific political commentary show or you make a specific product for one community this is usually the best way to build a business in my three cents now it looks like you have this app, which is also in the Google, Android, as well as the Apple stores, but also Ryan reminds me as a wise man that said, you know, they are guarding all the doors and holding all the keys, which means sooner or later someone will have to fight them. That's Morpheus from The Matrix. I dare not attempt his voice because it's way beyond my, I, I don't even have acting skills, my rudimentary voice skills. Either way, someone reminds to that because if you do something too dramatic, They'll cut you off from the stores, and consumers aren't going to be have, they won't have an app on your phone, and consumers are too lazy to go to a website or bookmark a website. I guess. Now, it's interesting that they actually have five filters. So at first I thought it was just for conservatives, which made sense because conservatives—they have some websites when it comes to like identifying what products I mean, which by, by which companies. But well, there, there wasn't a lot of apps. But it looks like there's actually five filters. So the filters include liberal. So if you're liberal, you can have the app and it'll tell you, hey, they donated to the NRA or they donated to veterans or some conservative cause. So the liberal will will choose not to buy that product. It'll give them alternatives. They also have the conservative filter. So if you're conservative, same thing. It'll scan the app and say, oh, they donated to Planned Parenthood or what have you. Here's some alternatives that did not donate to those causes. Now, they also have a uh, support vets app filter as well. So you can see how a company supports veterans. That's a good one. You also have social justice, which I would argue is kind of redundant. Um, I think there's a lot of overlap with liberal and social justice kind of being one of the same. And they also have an America First app, which it sounds, again, that's conservative, but maybe that's specific for manufacturing and having employees local. And then they also have the another filter for the LG... Uh, I, I always... The letter's getting longer. The LGBTQIA+. So then you could scan the app and say, hey, they donated to these parades or these initiatives for the LGBT uh, plus community or LGBT community. So you have all these filters in the same app. And then it will allow you to donate or purchase products based on what they're using. And this app is pretty smart because those five filters cover most of what Americans are thinking about more often than not when they want to purchase a product. It'll be interesting to see how how successful this app can be. It looks like the app is going to cost about 99 cents a month, which they're already kind of shooting themselves in the foot. It looks like it's free to download, but then certain features you need to pay 99 cents a month. And you're already going to alienate some of the audience because a lot of Americans and people in general are kind of desensitized to paying for apps because they think it should be free. Kind of like social media, it's not, there's a huge cost for infrastructure, employees maintaining it, but they would rather be the product. So they would rather just sell their freedom, sell their information as opposed to paying a couple dollars to actually be a member or utilizing an app. So having a big 99 cents per month, that might dissuade some people adopting it. You also do need to have a valid email address and phone number. So depending on your privacy concerns, that might be a little annoying because of course, of course, they need to make a profit. Then we're gonna either probably sell that to any of those five categories. So let's say if you use a you use that filter, and let's say your filter is you wanna support veterans. So it'll show you all the, all the products for that. Well, they could take your data and sell it to all the veteran um, 501c3s or nonprofits, because they know you're already looking for products to support that community. So that might be another way that the app is gonna generate some money so they can actually make a profit. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, but As I always say, time shall tell. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Biden secretly meeting the UAW president. Now, the UAW is known as the United Auto Workers, and they're the union traditionally for the big three. So you got General Motors, you got Ford, and you have Chrysler. All very great, reliable vehicles, manufacturers. And it looks like this is the meeting with the president in regard to the current contract discussions. As they're starting to have those renegotiations go on, as the current contracts expire, you have to renegotiate the new contract. And there's also the nine or 10 millionth reason why Tesla, Toyota, Honda, they're all infinitely better reliability and price because they don't have unions. They have people invested to actually do a good job, which unions, vastly speaking, average, they just incentivize people to be there for a long duration. It's usually you get paid for your how many years you served, not how well you served or worked. And the UAW is infamous for having someone make, they had it to a point where someone is making $68 an hour to put a tire in a car at an assembly line for General Motors. I think in 2007, right before the bankruptcy, or one of their bankruptcies. They've gone bankrupt many times. But one of the top reasons GM won't go bankrupt again and again and again, when you look at the pie graph of all their costs, it's the healthcare for the workers, the pensions, and the UAW—all extreme high labor costs. And if you talk to anyone who works at one of those companies, getting anything done has more red tape than the government. Because again, it's—it's uh—it's not how you make a great product. Most would say. Also, Apple products—you know—pretty pr- much most of the products you use that are exceptional, non-labor work. They want people who are incentivized to the, be the best and make the best, not just work the longest, but. I digress. It looks like their UAW contract with the car companies ends September fourteenth, and the UAW prided the uh, prodded Biden publicly over provisions and the funding in the IRA, which was that boondoggle, huge omnibus omnibus bill. The ironically called the Inflation Reduction Act, which anyone with more than three or four brain cells should know it did not reduce inflation a little bit. It just printed out more money than God could ever imagine. Now, the UAW criticized Biden over that because Biden needed that because it, it was the key for his political, economic, and climate agenda. And the union also were you know poking Biden and saying, hey, why do you allow these $9.2 billion in loans for Ford to make EV batteries in states that are less favorable to unions like Ken- uh, Kentucky and Tennessee? Kentucky, I believe, is one of the major states that also Toyota has presence in. Where, again, they make the most reliable vehicles in history. That's why consistently, a internal combustion engine Toyota vehicle they're they're the ones where you look at the list of like who makes the cars that hit a million miles. It's a Toyota. Those things are bulletproof. Which is another concern of why they're going going towards EV when EVs are more like cell phones. They're disposable. You can't work on them. You don't own it. The company does. You own the hardware, not software. I digress. Now, the UAW is also scared to death of electric vehicles for a myriad of reasons, partially because there's less low-skill labor to make them, and they're more, much more comparable to computers. Also, there's less components. Just technically speaking, there's less things coming together to make the vehicle. If there's less things coming together to make the vehicle, you don't need to pay someone $100 to put a tire on a car on a union contract. You might need half as many resources. There's also an exponential increase in robotics for actual assembly and the creation of those vehicles. Tesla probably being the most prominent and successful automotive company to embrace all those giant machines, including the Gigapress, which is a revolutionary automotive technology where they just press out the bodies. Huge competitive advantage, but also big upfront cost. So the UAW, they're pretty scared of the adoption of EVs, as they should be, and as you have all these companies, GM in particular, about six months ago, Mary Barr, the CEO, they're committed to cutting, I believe, two or $3 billion in cost. And they had a voluntary, it wasn't a layoff, but they said, we'll we'll buy out the rest of your contract if you're an executive, if you're a salaried position at the company, because they're trying to cut away as much cost as they can because they're struggling to stay afloat, let alone transform into an EV company. And she wants the company to be full EV by 2035. By that time, their EV profit margin should go up because cost of goods traditionally go down. You have to have costs going down with aggregate where you can spread that cost around. Similar to if you put up a machine to make doors, for the first 100 doors compared to a 1,000 doors, compared to a 100,000 doors, the more doors you make with that same machine, the lower the cost is per unit produced because you're amortizing the cost around all of those doors, for that example. And right now, v- v- uh, GEM as well as Ford, they're losing money on the v- EVs hand over fist because of that huge upfront cost and also the materials. And in times tell to see what's that break even point and when do they make profit. Tesla struggled for, I don't know if it's a decade, but several years until they started making profitability. They also invested heavily in being the bleeding edge of technology. Although there's concern by market analysts, are they still that way? And what are they gonna do for the next chapter of the company? it's interesting that uh, the UAW, and also, another thing, in terms of my personal opinion, the UAW, is they put a lot of money into politics, which is why General Motors got bailed out during the 2008 bankruptcy. They just happened to pay out millions upon millions, millions of dollars to the Democratic Party. Which, one of those things where, oh yeah, you give them money, and then they give you money back, which is why there's a lot of controversy around teachers' unions, where teachers' unions will give a bunch of money to campaign in terms of politician. Politician will then increase their wages or increase their salaries when they get elected. Some would call that bribery and corruption. Some. But time, as I always say, shall tell to see what happens to the UAW. Now, other interesting political news, you have the New York City mayor turning migrants away. Some might say that's racist. Now, they're literally actually putting out flyers that say no vacancy. Now, It's one of those things where there's a few things I disdain more than hypocrites and charlatans. And traditionally speaking, New York is a sanctuary state where they would proudly say, we will not prosecute any illegal immigrants. Just come here. We won't prosecute you. We'll be a haven for you. California is very famous for this. Many people wonder why they're doing it as well as because the state census, the state census is not based on citizens, it's based on population, regardless of whether they're legally or not. And depending on your population is how many people get to send House of Representatives so it actually gives you more people and more influence in the government. Some would call that cheating, but yeah, I know some, including me, I am call that cheating. And before you say something about my family swimming here, ridiculous. We actually came on a plane from Cuba, believe it or not, when they had planes. Now, this specifically looks like the administration wants to hand out these flyers to asylum seekers and even go to the southern border, discouraging them from coming to New York City. Now, specifically, this is from Hippocrat New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who, of course, is a Democrat, and he has said for months that his city has no more capacity for houses-seeking asylumers. Isn't that what the border countries have been saying for decades? Again, it's not a matter of caring or animus. It's, you have finite resources. If you flood those, if you overwhelm those resources, the system can't handle it. Some say they're overwhelming it by design to destroy the system. That's a topic in and of itself. But for years, places like New York, they proudly broke federal law to just let people go there regardless of their status. And now now they're, they're saying, oh no, but no one's calling them racist for doing this. The Texas governor, they were calling him a racist when he wants to protect his borders. Now that New, York's, New York City mayor is concerned that his, they can't handle that influx of people with their infrastructure and the resources at the moment, no one's calling him out as a hypocrite. No one's calling him out as being racist. It's almost as if there's a double standard in media, which is yet another reason why, yeah, I don't know how, um, I don't know how profitable long-term traditional media will be around for. Time shall tell. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Goldman Sachs profits down 58%, which, again, I know the United States schools are struggling. I, I try to help every day with, with education because I know math scores are all time low, same with history. That's more than half. 58% is more than half. Now, this is as this bank is pulling back on their consumer lending and taking impairments related to real estate investment. So, yeah, that's that's not a good day. If you're, uh, especially if you're doing corporate real estate, that's not a good business to be in because every business I know is pulling back on their square footage of their corporate headquarters and their actual office spaces. More and more people are working from home. For me, I have reasons, including convenience, optimization. So, yeah, in terms of, again, I'm not a financial guru or financial, I don't have a fiduciary responsibility or I'm not a financial genius, I would, but I think it'd be a prudent business decision not to invest in corporate real estate. Now, Goldman Sachs saw its investment banking revenue decline by 20% the second quarter, 2023. And according to the latest filings released last Wednesday, their trading revenue also fell by 14%. Now overall, their profit fell by 58% compared to a year ago to 1.2 billion. That marks the worst quarterly profits since early 2020, during the pande- pandemic-induced recession. Now, I think this, that's a typo, actually, from, at least Forbes. It wasn't a pandemic-induced recession. It was the government and the government's decisions to lock down the economy. That's what caused the recession. But, semantics, I know. And back in 2023, January this year, they lost $3 billion on consumer lending. And this is also perhaps why they're trying to get out of the current contracts they have with companies such as Apple, and then I think as well as General Motors, where they have these r- r- little uh, r- loyalty reward cards, and you have the Apple Pay card, and apparently Goldman Sachs is actually losing money on that initiative. So they're trying to cut back on all these things as they're trying to stop the bleeding, because they're just losing more and more money. And right now with unprecedented 40-year hyperinflation, and all the uncertainty of the economy, all these businesses are trying to figure out how do we stop the bleeding, how do we stabilize the companies? And they're taking less risk because of that. But as they move all these things around to make such a business blunder, lose so much money in such a small amount in just a single year. That's gotta be the business blunder of the day, bar none. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Also, we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of this month, so if you click that subscribe button, we'd really appreciate it. Also, don't forget to like and comment. Those things greatly help the video get shared to more and more people. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, Just stay safe and fight the good fight.